0: Hello and welcome to the Healthy Empath Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Marshausen. Today, I am joined with the lovely Samantha Fay. Samantha has been working as an intuitive for over 15 years. She is the host of two podcasts, Psychic Teachers and Enlightened Empaths, that are both focused on teaching people to embrace their true gifts. Her goal is helping people see their connection to spirit in readings her specialty is tuning into people's guides to help identify people's uh, soul's purpose and life lessons and curing challenges she also teaches classes and webinars that offer practical hands-on easy techniques for tuning into their intuitive and mediumship abilities she teaches classes on intuitive development mediumship crystals manifesting samantha is also a reiki master and enjoys teaching reiki and sharing this healing daily throughout her work so we have quite the treasure here with us today samantha thank you again for being here welcome
1: Thank you, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here.
0: Okay, then in the beginning, like I do with most people, do you mind just taking us a little bit through your healing journey, your hero's journey, just how you went from you know wherever you started and then into being you know this this wise woman and this you know teacher and somebody who's just you know developed these gifts and you know really embodies them.
1: Sure. So um, I think my journey is a little different, maybe not, but I never really thought of myself as someone who was psychic or intuitive. When I was a kid, I would see spirits and I would see lights around people and I would know weird things that were going to happen. But I also was a really big writer and drawer when I was a little girl. And my dad always says that I sat down at the dinner table every night with two words, imagine if. So every time that I would tell a story or talk about my dreams or run to my parents in the middle of the night and say, there's someone in my room, my parents would chalk it off to my imagination. And I really liked that idea. (laughs) The things I was seeing in my room at night really were just figments of my imagination. So I tried really hard to tamp all of that down, especially in high school and college. I think I did a good job of that. I fit in. I was normal. I didn't feel weird. And then in my 20s, I was teaching English at the community college. I was married, I had children, I had a dog, a white picket fence. (laughs) I had had achieved normalcy and I wasn't this weirdo intuitive girl. Um, I had a student in one of my classes who was kind of harassing me. Um, I remember one, but he would leave notes under my door and the scariest one said, Today, I went looking for Mrs. Faye's house. Tomorrow, I will find it. And I really didn't know what to do about this person. I went to my department chair. I went to the security guards. No one really offered me much help. So one day, I walked into my office, and there was a rock on my desk. And I have a very clean, neat office. There's, there was just a computer and a, computer, a calendar desk pad and there's just this orangey red rock on my desk. And I'm like, how did this get here? So we had a geology professor who's still there, Dr. Rocks. I adore him. He knows everything about crystals. So I went up to his office and I said, hey, Dr. Rocks, this crystal just appeared on my desk. Like, What is this about? And he said, whoa, this is Jasper. Who do you need protection from? Now, I wasn't into any of this weird stuff at the time, right? So I'm like, how can a rock protect me from her- the student who's harassing me. And he's like, oh, you've got a student harassing you? Well, carry that, Jasper. It will help you. I walked away from his office so bewildered, just looking at this kidney-shaped reddish-orange rock in my hand going, what the hell is going on? Within a week or two, the student was arrested for an unrelated charge and never returned to my class. So that's, that I, I taught there for over 15 years it's a community college, (laughs) like, you know, there's, I've never had a student be expelled before. So suddenly I'm fascinated by rocks and I started scouring my state for any crystal shows I could find. And I found one. I didn't have any friends um, who were interested in this rock world. So I asked my dad to go with me and we're just walking through and there were crystals and there were some intuitives there and there were people selling jewelry And there was this woman selling jewelry and she walked up to my dad and she said, sir, do you mind if I pass on a message to you? And he was like, okay. And she started giving him this crazy accurate reading to the point where he started to cry. My dad does not cry. Like he's, you know, just holds everything in. So I just kind of walked away to give him his privacy. And the woman said, wait, I have a message for you too. And when she came up to me after she was done with my dad, she said, my guides keep giving me the word Reiki. And I'm like, is that water? Is that like magically charged water? I had no clue what she was talking about. And she said, no, it's a form of hands-on healing. So she said, you need to check it out. I did. I met my Reiki teacher, my first Reiki teacher, Annie Miller. I started doing Reiki on myself. And for any of you that have been attuned to Reiki, you have to, at least for the first 21 days after you receive the attunement, you have to do the Reiki Pam positions on yourself and meditate for a good long time, about, takes about 30 minutes to do a full Reiki body treatment. And as I was doing this, I started seeing visions. Um, Every time I would close my eyes to meditate, I would see an image of a bullet impacting someone's neck. And I freaked out and I kept thinking, this is why I shut this down years ago. So I stopped doing the Reiki, I stopped doing the meditation. And then I started having those dreams, the same dream would repeat every night for about two weeks, just, and I never saw a face. I never saw clothing. It was just that awful image of a bullet hitting someone's neck. And two weeks later, my um, former husband was a police sergeant and he was trying to apprehend an escaped criminal. And he was shot in the neck and he survived, but it was a very, very long journey. And I remember when I was sitting in that little, waiting room next to the ICU, my two best friends and my sister came rushing in to be with me. And they said, oh my God, Samantha, this is what you've been dreaming about for two weeks. So finally, I, when I knew he was going to be okay, I left the ICU for a minute and I went to the hospital chapel and I got on my knees and I said, okay, God, if you want me to do this, I will do it. Just let that man live. And so that was the bargain I struck. And I feel like in many ways that bargain has been very, very kind to me because it's enabled me to still be a normal grounded mom and friend and just just a normal person going through life. And yet I have this wonderful ability to be able to connect with just amazing people that I've met through this work all over the world. So that's a long way around my journey. <laughs>
0: uh it was great um yeah i got chills at one point water eyes at another point <laughs> yeah just with that um especially you know seeing that over and over again and then that happening them um, so like really hit you what do you think that was you think that was just like something you know being given something like so obvious that you can't deny it afterwards do you think that's why you had that particular you know, vision
1: I don't know. The whole thing was really weird because so that happened July 29, 2005. And starting in June, I lived by the beach. So I had little kids at the time. And I would go to the beach every afternoon with them. And every day that summer, I found perfectly heart shaped shells. I actually have them framed in my in my family room. I made a like a whole shadow box thing of it because every day for over a month when I would go to the beach, I would find a seashell in the perfect shape of a heart. And I I really knew it was God's way of telling me something's coming, you know, like something wicked this way comes, but you're going to be okay. And then when I started having those visions and those dreams about that incident, I really, I couldn't even think, oh, this is, this is what's going to happen to my husband when he's at work. I was so sure that he would be protected. I was so sure. And I had gotten him, you know, we're both, we're Catholic and I had gotten him an Archangel Michael medallion to wear to work every day. I had it blessed and I made sure he wore that in addition to his bulletproof vest, which he always resisted, but luckily he had it on that night. And I remember when he was in surgery and they finally came out to tell me, you know, what the prognosis was. Cause for hours I, we had no idea. They handed me his wedding ring and that Archangel Michael medallion and both were covered in blood. And I was so angry and I was just raging in my head at God and Archangel Michael. And I was like, what the hell, you know, like what, what is this protection about? And so as I'm raging in my head, my older sister who had arrived in the middle of the night from Georgia she goes out in the hallway to talk to some of the officers and a nurse comes out and she says, who's here is related to the Fay family. And she said, I am, I'm, I'm his sister-in-law. And the nurse said, can I talk to you? And she said, sure. And she said, I don't know what happened in there, but we kept losing his pulse and we really did not think he was going to make it. Hold on. Do you edit these?
0: Yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. It's All good.
1: right. I'm so sorry. My little dogs are barking. Uh-huh. So, um, she said i haven't prayed in a long time i used to think of myself as a healer and i thought i had a special connection to archangel michael but then you know life happens and i gave that all up but when he coded that last time and i could feel everyone giving up i started to pray and she said i heard a man's voice clearly in my ear say put your hand on his forehead and she said the minute i did we got a pulse back So when my sister came in the room and told me that story, I looked at that Archangel Michael medallion covered in blood in my hand and I thought, okay, this is bigger. You know, like this whole thing is bigger. I always thought life was so simple. Like you pray for what you want and you get what you want if you're good and (laughs) you do all the right things. (laughs) And it's not like that. It's much, much bigger. So I feel like all of that had to happen for reasons. Maybe we can't understand. Maybe it was soul karma I don't know, but all I know is that traumatic event is what got me on this path. Yes, I think that sometimes when we have big life-changing events in our life that are either on one end of the spectrum, incredibly joyful and amazing, or on the other end of the spectrum, incredibly traumatic and, and life-changing in a, in a devastating way, I think those episodes in our life are kind of bigger then our consciousness can understand. And I think it's in those moments that we should never turn away from our faith, whatever our faith is, whoever it is that we pray to. It's in those moments that we have to cling harder to our faith and realize that in those dark nights of the soul, we truly are never alone. And every time I look at those seashells, you know, on my wall and their beautiful heart shapes, I think of that, that we always have that guidance and protection, even if it doesn't look like that in the moment.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people struggle that, with that for sure. Um, I know I have, and you, know, you work with a lot of empaths. And one thing I've noticed um, working with empaths is that at some point along everyone's journey, they all have to go back and do some healing work with their relationship to God and or whatever yeah, they even call it, and depending you know, their upbringing, because that, that te- seems to be, like what happens if something, especially as children, like if something bad happens to me, it's, you know, my fault, or you know, God must've wanted it this way or else why would it have happened? And then, you know, when we're kind of you know older and almost like this kind of, yeah. What, you know, now seems like the, this like Im- immature kind of like spirituality, which is what you mentioned, just like, yeah, just be a good boy or girl and, you know, ask for what you want and hopefully you get it kind of thing.
1: Right. Everything uh, will work out the end.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then when they don't, then there's just rage, there's disappointment, there's apathy, there's just like, you know, everything, um, because your world is literally crushed, because, you know, how does the world even work? And you know, what, it, what is happening? So I think a lot of people kind of, yeah, have been through that and resonate with that. Um, yeah, speaking of Archangel Michael reminds me, I didn't know, never really like heard of it before. Um, when I before I went to Afghanistan, my aunt and uncle had that gifted me a little like necklace medallion of Archangel Michael and, and then yeah years later um once I started my, own, my healing journey and opened I'm like my senses like you know connected a lot with you know that that energy and that archetype and that's you know a, a big one uh, in my in my life now and so yeah it's just funny how that you know came to me um during that's amazing yeah during that time
1: Wow, thank all in you for your life. service.
0: <laughs> Justin, throw it right now, yeah, yeah. thank you. Uh, but it just reminded me of that. So where along this line did you encounter this uh, concept of um, being an empath?
1: I did not embrace it for a really long time. Again, I come from this family where everything is perfect on the outside. You know, I was raised in this family where – We had to look good. We had to dress well. We had to get great grades. And um, most emotions and stuff were kind of tamped down unless it was funny, humorous, or intellectual. So I kind of, um, well, to be honest, I kind of thought people who were super emotional and felt everything were a little hokey and out there. And I didn't realize that I was like that. And I had just been trained throughout my childhood to just, you know, dampen that down, you know, dim down your light a little bit, and so when I started to go through this journey of Reiki and crystals and meditation, even learning just to sit still for 10 minutes, you know, was really, really hard for me in the beginning. And when I started to do that, all of my senses started to turn on. I noticed, for example, my hearing, my hearing now is crazy. I can hear things that, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I can hear things, my sense of smell heightened All of my senses heightened, and as that was happening through that awakening time, I realized that I was feeling things too. But again, I was very, very slow to the process. When I first started doing um, intuitive work one-on-one with clients, I shared an office with a bunch of massage therapists, and they would say things like, "Oh, Saturn is retrograde right now, so we're going to be having all sorts of lessons." And, "Who can you feel the energy of the full moon?" And I'd be like gosh, what the hell are you guys talking about? Like, it just made no sense to me. And slowly and surely, I'm a, you know, obviously I'm a teacher. So I'm a big fan of always learning. So I'm constantly reading and signing up for classes and workshops and conferences. And I went to a conference that was all about awakening to your inner spirituality. And that word empath kept being thrown around. And I thought, oh, that's what this is. I didn't understand that when I was around someone who was happy and joyful and cheerful all the time that I started to feel that way. Or when I was around someone who was angry and complaining and whiny that I started to feel victimy and ugh, today stinks. It took me a long time to grasp this concept that we are all energy. And as we awaken to our energy and shine our lights even brighter, our auras can actually kind of bump up against other people's. And kind of like an an octopus with tendrils, you know, we can feel their energy and pull it into our own aura. And when we aren't aware of that, when we're not cognizant that this is what's happening, that's when things can get super wacky and out of balance in our world. So I think when people, especially men, that's why I'm so excited to be here on this show, more and more men are awakening to this fact that, yeah, they actually do have feelings and they actually can be a a manly man and have feelings and you know still go to afghanistan and do stuff like that and be in tuned with their inner spirit i, I just think that's such a gift because it, it explains so much of our emotions and our moods and our sensations and why some people make us feel great and others are kind of energy vampires so i think it fills in a lot of the, the holes that we might be questioning in our own life
0: Sure, for sure. And then what um what have you noticed with you know working with people like this or, or on yourself? Like how is it kind of you know, or what are the downsides would you say to it and then the you know the positive sides and how do you have you helped to navigate to it, you know, be like a healthy empath?
1: The biggest downside in my opinion is when you're an empath, you're a giver and you're much more comfortable giving. And that's lovely and nice and altruistic. But really, if you unpack it and you peel off those layers of that compulsion to give, rescue, fix, help, serve, what's at the root of that is fear, control, and unworthiness. You know, life is, we live in a duality, a world of duality. There's up, there's down, there's left, there's right, and there's give and there's take. And so an empath has to learn how to receive at least as much as he or she is giving. And I I really think that's the biggest downfall is we aren't comfortable being in that position to receive, not only from other people in our lives, but also from the universe itself. You know, sometimes empaths will just shut off opportunities for their own lives because they're so fixated on helping everyone else and putting out all these little fires. And then they wonder, gosh, why am I so drained? Why am I tired all the time? And so I think the number one thing an empath can do for for themselves is to work on saying yes and opening up your arms and receiving more. The other downside, I think, to being an empath is because of that tendency to rush in and fix and res- rescue and help, they can become attracted to codependent relationships. So empaths tend to attract narcissists and needy, dependent people more than any other personality type. And I think they have to be very, very aware of that. So there's a, there's a lovely book by Dr. Bud Hopkins that I tend to read and reread. It's called um, Sacred Selfishness. And it's about learning to not see selfishness as a bad thing, although it can be. But what he's talking about in that book is how when you take care of yourself and you love and honor yourself, that is when you can truly be of service. And so I I think those are two of the biggest downfalls. I also see a lot of empaths who kind of get a little out of balance with this stuff. Um, I see people who peer too much into this woo-woo world. And there has to be balance with that. You you can't talk about love and light and crystals and Reiki and all that stuff all the time. You've got to fold the laundry and make dinner. (laughs)
0: Like that answer, yeah, (laughs) and and also yeah, with the the giving and the taking. I I did one podcast. We talked about abundance, and we're sharing some stories. And but yeah, one thing that like that kind of message that came to me one time was this concept of two hands. It's like you know, one to give, one to take, or you know, and or if somebody offers you something, if like I offer you an apple, like you have to extend your arm and take it like so why are we so afraid to take or what if it's the universe uh you know giving us an opportunity like we have to take the opportunity and yeah it's very hard sir i shouldn't say it's very hard but you know it it often appears that way for many of us to to understand that and like thinking it's so bad to to take and receive and and all that stuff and just like that's that's how it works. That's, that's balance. That's harmony.
1: (laughs) There's a wonderful story I read a few years ago about this woman who was trying to raise money because she needed a new wheelchair. I think she had MS. And so her church had put out like a, like a sign, you know, out outside their services saying, if you want to donate, you know, here's our parishioners raising money for this And she was so embarrassed to do that. And she didn't even know, I think it was her pastor who had done it, but he was like, no, 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 you need this money. Let us help you. You do so much for us. So, you know, a couple of donations, five, $10 was trickling in here and there. And she was feeling kind of weird about it. And one day this older gentleman rang her doorbell and he said, I saw the sign at church that you're trying to raise money for this new wheelchair. And he handed her all of the cash for this brand new expensive wheelchair And she said, no, no, I can't take all of this. Please, no, thank you, but no. And he said, would you deny me the gift of giving? And that just really struck me because so many times I've said no, no to offers of help. And I never really looked at it that way. I never looked at it as on the opposite end. Cause I know when I give to people, I feel so, I get a rush. I don't know if it's dopamine or serotonin or what, but I feel so happy when I'm able to give of my time or my energy or my money to help someone. It makes me feel wonderful. And I I just never really thought about that on the flip side. So I always think about that. Would you deny me the gift of giving?
0: Wow. Uh, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's so cool. And uh, so, as a, I guess another note on that. And so that's not even um, just like other people. Like, you have to take that concept and apply that to imagine God saying that to you, right? With all like, all these like, different things that are coming your way or just like living an abundant life. That's kind of what I was just like feeling as that happened. Like, so imagining like, you know, God wanting to, to grant you that. And like, you know, like, and then it doesn't even have to be a specific thing. Like, maybe it's just like a, an abundant life, whatever you know that may look like, it's like would you deny me like that gift, <laughs> yeah. you know, of allowing that of you know us you know co-creating and experiencing that together? Like why would you do that? Um, okay, so the next question I have you know, as a teacher, so people are often asking me, you know, how can I you know, utilize my gifts? Whether that means open them, hone them, anything like that you know, as an empath you know oh i want to i want to use my gifts i want to know what they are i want to anything all those kind of things so how do you help people with that or what is your advice to empaths who say that ask that
1: do you mean like their gifts in general or intuition in particular both okay
0: either so
1: I think I think understanding your gifts in general like why are you here again I think that's a much deeper concept and I think so many individuals are looking for a really specific answer like you are here to play the flute or you know or you are here to write 3 books it's it's, it's not always like that to me life is nothing more than a school and we're here to learn and we're here to teach and sometimes we're here to learn Uh, really difficult lessons and sometimes we're here to teach really beautiful lessons but on a more on a deeper more specific level to your question I really think that we have to shift our focus away from all these labels you know I I struggle with this myself still when people say to me what do you do for a living I I never know how to answer that question and it's the first question people ask you, right? Besides they'll, they'll say, hey, what's your name? And then what do you do? And I don't know if that's just an American thing or if that's a worldwide thing, but- we're Largely so-
0: American for my travels.
1: <laughs> right, I, I would think so, okay. And I think that's because we're so focused on these labels of, you know, who you are and what you do are all wrapped up into one thing. So the first thing I would recommend is that you kind of step away from that labeling and not look at your job, what you do to pay your bills and provide for yourself and or your family as your sole purpose that you, that you kind of take a wider view. And then the second thing I would recommend is that you look within to your past, So like, what did you do as a child? What did you love to do? Like, what TV shows did you watch? What music did you listen to? What now that do you do where you lose time? Everyone has a hobby. I don't care if it's golf or if it's making a nice cup of tea or if it's going for a run, everyone has a hobby that they lose time and it just goes by effortlessly. That's where you, that's gold. That's a treasure. You need to mine that to see what you can find for your passion and your soul purpose. I also feel like praying, praying about your soul purpose and asking to seek it is going to be really, really important. The whole year before I embarked on this, on this journey of my spiritual life, I had started a mantra every day. I said, use me God to do your will. That was my prayer every day for a year. And then all of this unfolded kind of miraculously. And so I think sometimes when we just surrender to our higher power and say, you tell me, why am I here? Why, did, why was I created? What am I supposed to do? You have to be open to the signs and the synchronicities, the coincidences, the mentors, the threshold guardians, as the hero's dirty or, or Rick Jarrow even would say, you have to be aware and, and tuned in and, and woke to recognize them. But if you are, you will be led on a beautiful, beautiful new journey. There's a wonderful story that the ancient Romans tell about their goddess of fortune called lady Fortuna. And they say that she sits on the mountain and she hears everyone's prayers and requests and wishes. And she doesn't do a darn thing about it. She just waits, listens and watches. And when she sees a person who's been praying to her, ask for this job, this promotion, this relationship, when she sees them take that first leap of faith, when she sees them take action towards their goal, towards their wish, only then will she intervene. So I think so much of the onus is on us. And yet we're always, so many of us, we're just waiting. We're waiting for miracles to happen. We're waiting for, I don't know, a guardian angel to just you know, hop off a cloud and appear in our meditation room and go. Here is what you should do now, and yet it doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah, when I heard. Well, I guess I heard a couple of people say it, but uh, you know, never pray for what you want. You know, Pray for you know something. Like, yeah, you know, the strength to to do what you need to do, basically.
1: Well, I don't know if I agree with that. I think it's <laughs> fine to pray for what you want. You know, yeah. like I, I have really big conversations with uh, God all the time. And I'm like, look, I I know you're busy. There's a lot going on right now. Um, Here's my Christmas wish list. (laughs) Basically that's what I say to him or her. And then I say, um, you know, if it is in my soul's alignment for these things to occur for me, give me the insight, the wisdom and the awareness to recognize the opportunities that will come to me to bring these to fruition. So I think it's a dance. Yeah, You know, it's a, it's a two way street, but I, I think it's important to ask for what you want. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I am so weird in particular about picking my word of the year. My friend Deb and I, we do this uh, every New Year's Eve. We'll, we'll pick a word that we want to invite the energy into for the whole year. And I remember one year I picked patience. God help me. I had so many events that year that taught me patience (laughs) But none of them were anything I wanted, yeah so i I do think you should pray for what you want, but also pray for the grace to get through the things you don't want,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it all it, well it's used in the context of saying like you know praying for money, but then you know never tracking your expenses, you know, never working, you know, doing anything to bring in and like, you know, just like buying a scratch ticket and then praying or praying for yourself to, or someone you love to, you know, get healthier. But then, you know, you never stop drinking a liter of soda every day. That kind of like concept.
1: Right. Well, that's yeah. because I think all of those things, whether it's getting fit and healthy or increasing abundance or breaking a habit, it's none of it's about the action, you know, it's all about what's going on inside of you. And it's all about the labels that you have given yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you can't, like some of us, we all vibrate to this energy where we feel super comfortable and whether we're aware of it or not, some people feel really comfortable beating themselves up. And so it's much easier for them to always be on a diet or always be half broke Now, if you sat them down and asked them, hey, with all that debt hanging over your head, does that feel comfortable to you? They'd go, hell no. But deep inside in their unconscious, they have, we all have a negative mantra that we're constantly screaming to the world. And we all have a positive mantra that we're consciously yelling out to the world. But we've got to be aware of that negative mantra, our shadow self, you know, Carl Jung would call it, that we're yelling to the world. And I think so many people have a mantra that says, I'm not enough or I'm not worthy. And we manifest it in different ways, whether it's that extra 10 pounds we can never lose or that extra income we can never manifest to pay off our bills or that albatross of an addiction we're struggling with. It manifests in those ways, but those manifestations are not the problem. You know, it's the deeper issue at the core.
0: It's what I teach you, you got to take the inside out approach, not the outside in.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh,
0: so, I still am curious about the second part of the initial question. Oh. So, let's go, which yeah, I, I didn't um, specify before, but now I'm curious. So, when it actually comes to, say, developing a psychic sense or something like that, or and for figuring out, yeah, what's going on in there that you are kind of naturally attuned to, um, you know, you, you teach different variant classes on that. Do you have a Um, particular um, something that you recommend for people to do that? Or is it just like some, basically just the simple, you know, just start practicing, start doing something or how does it work when you're actually developing, you know, psychic senses?
1: Well, one thing I want to start with is something that's said to me all the time. Like if I, if I do a reading very often, the person will say, Oh my gosh, you're so gifted. Thank you for your gift. What a gift you have all this ego stuff. It's lovely and nice, but it's not me. First of all, being psychic or being a medium is nothing more than putting yourself to the side and allowing spirit to flow through you. And the minute you think it's you, that's when it kind of gets knocked down. Uh, secondly, I don't think it's a gift any more than I, th- I mean, breathing is a gift. Walking is a gift, right? Our, our heart that's beating for us every moment without us having to do anything about it. That's a gift. But I don't, to me, that's exactly what being psychic is. I really believe everyone has this ability. And if anyone listening to this is going, yeah, right. Check out the newly, well, not newly, new to me, released um, FOIA documents from the CIA on remote viewing, or just read Phenomenon by Annie Jacobson. Awesome book on the government remote viewing program. And it talks in there about all the studies they did from the 1940s to the late 70s, some would say early 80s, on training people to be psychic. And I went to a wonderful conference on consciousness uh, with the Rhine Institute and Dale Graff was there and uh, Dr. Stephen Schwartz were there, all of, all of whom worked on the Stargate program with the CIA. And one of the things that um, Dr. Stephen Schwartz said, now he still teaches remote viewers and he does something called archeological remote viewing. So he and his team of psychics have been able to find like, um, cleopatra's palace for example they his his books and his findings are fantastic every time he's asked how do you train people to remote view like how do you train psychics he says i simply give them permission and i love that answer it's so simple because we do all have this ability like um, my friend denise and i who do enlightened empaths we just did a show on premonitions and i was doing research on it and all this stuff on 9-11 came up. And I did not know that 80%, all, every airplane that tragically crashed that day had 80% people missing. That's a big number. And so a lot of conscious study people like Dean Radin, for example, think that people tuned in. They were intuitive and they got that message. Don't go to work today. Don't get on that flight. And they listened to it. So I think we have enough scientific evidence out there, whether it's through the Rhine Institute or the remote viewing program or Dean Radin to say that psychic ability is something everyone possesses. It's just up to you, whether you want to use it or not, whether you want to listen to it or not. So my big recommendations for learning to listen to it is first of all, just do some research and look at what, you know uh, what are they called? Double-blind placebo studies have been able to show about how psychic ability, intuition, and innate inner knowing works. And then give yourself permission. Say, you know, it is safe for me to see. It is safe for me to see. Or, I am awakening to my psychic ability now. Once you've come around to that concept that you could be psychic, then I recommend learning to work with your chakras. Um, in in my opinion. I think that's crucial to really fully developing your energy is learning to feel, sense, open, close those seven energy centers. I do it every day before I start my readings. I think it's really important to learn how to work with your own energy, feel your energy. Um, And then of course, meditation is key. If you can't still the mind, if you can't calm your overthinking active to-do list of a mind, you're not going to be able to hear the guidance that's trying to get to you.
0: So calming the mind, refining the energy body and believing and knowing that you already can.
1: Yes, yes. And I don't think it has to be a whole lot more complicated than that. You can make it more complicated. You know, I mean, there are people who will say like, you can't eat this if you want to be psychic or you have to take this supplement to awaken your third eye. Or I even read one article that said you should tap your third eye 25 times a day to open it. Like (laughs) it's not a door, you know, (laughs) you can't just knock on it. So I, I think you can make it complicated, but I think in general it's as simple as trusting yourself, testing yourself, and practicing. So there's so many fun things you can do for that. Like before we got on our video call today, Mike, like you could have just closed your closed your eyes and said, "Okay, of all the colors out there, what color shirt will Samantha be wearing today?" And then just written that down, and, and then when you when you saw me, seen if you were accurate or not. Or if you're watching a news story and you see that. Um, you know, hopefully not, but someone's gone missing. Write that person's name and and just kind of tune in and see what you pick up. So I think it's important to test it, test yourself, practice it. Um, And there's so many fun ways you can do that. There's a great website called gotsci.org where you can test your abilities. Uh, Russell Targ has created a free app. I think it's called ESP Trainer. Um, You can train your abilities. If you don't like technology, you can simply call up a friend and say, I'm thinking of a number from one to 10 and visualize one a number say the number 8 and visualize like writing it on a paper airplane and sending it into your friend's mind and see if your friend can receive that and do that back and forth so there's there's a ton of fun little exercises you can do to awaken your intuition but um in the sake of time you know in general it's it's tuning within slowing your mind down getting getting all right with inner stillness and learning to work with your energy through the chakras
0: Beautiful. I like it. And you have a simple place where people can t- find your work in uh, the areas that you I uh, do you have a, a workshop or classes available on that?
1: Yes, I teach. Um, I teach classes all the time. My, um, my favorite class is Be Your Own Psychic, where I specifically take people through these steps of how to do this. Um, but what I love about that class is each week they're partnered up with someone new from class so they can really start to practice this in real time, because at some point you've got to put down the books, you've got to open your eyes from meditating and you've got to just practice this work and see what is it like to actually try to scan someone's energy and tune in and in, and figure out what's going on in their life and what they need to hear at that point. So I'm a big advocate in my classes of people actually practicing in real time with each other. Cool, cool.
0: All right. Yeah, I'm a big advocate for starting. Yeah, well, if, let's figure out why you think you can't do this. And then work on those belief systems. Because that's what happened to me. Like I didn't, I just, I had a huge, massive trauma release he- healing experience. And then it was just everything just like opened up after that. Um, so that's what I was like, Oh, wow. And then kind of was th- thinking that way for other people, too. It was like, well, it's in there. You just need to Get rid of whatever is stopping you from doing it.
1: It's life changing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, sure. it's like a before and after moment for you, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The So you said something earlier that in, sparked some curiosity. Yeah, you mentioned as a child seeing different things and then, you know, being told that, oh, it's just nothing to kind of bear it down. And then you also mentioned that you have children. So I'm curious. Did your children ever come to you with these psychic moments, intuitions, just knowings or other, um, you know, psychic phenomena?
1: Yes, I could probably do a whole show on that. (laughs) Yes, I have three daughters and they are all very intuitive and none of them want to be. They think, you know, their mom's work is weird and strange and out there. And yet they exhibit some amazing abilities. And it's really cool because they each exhibit it in different ways. Uh, my middle daughter sees the most. So she has seen ghosts. And uh, when, our, when our beloved Doberman passed away, she would see our dog consistently. Um, when my mother-in-law passed away, she saw her. So she sees the most. Um, my youngest daughter, she has dreams that often come true. She, has, she just says very profound things. And my oldest daughter is very much afraid of this ability. And yet I've seen them do that. Like for example, um, after my former husband's injury, obviously he couldn't work as a police officer anymore. He had an anoxic brain injury that leaves him with a huge deficit of short-term memory. So he works part-time as a private investigator. And he often asks me to tune in on his cases. And so a couple years ago, he asked me to tune in on this case with this missing girl. And I was getting over a cold and I was not feeling good. And I just didn't have time to do it. And I said, I I just can't do it tonight. Like I'm all congested and not feeling great. I'll do it tomorrow. And um, my older daughter said, well, mommy, I can try. And I was like, oh, really? Because I don't don't really feel comfortable. I've never tuned into my own kids. I've never tried to you know, read that. No, I just feel very, that's not good. Let them be kids. But she asked. So I said, um, okay, well, just look at this picture of her and close your eyes and tell me what you feel. So she did. And she said, um, she's with her boyfriend. And I think his name starts with an M. She was about, I think my daughter was 10 or 11 at that time. And so my youngest daughter, who was 7 at the time, said, oh, I want to try. So she looks at the picture and she describes a motel at this beach and gives the name of the motel. So their dad is like, what the heck is going on? So he actually gets in the car, drives to that motel about 30 minutes away and finds her with her boyfriend, whose name was Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So that's like my craziest story with them.
0: That's incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah. But they'll do, they do things like that all the time. They'll they'll wake up and say, you know, gosh, I had a dream that my friend moved away. And then two weeks later, you know, they'll come home and say, my friend's dad got a new job and here's what's happening. So they, they have a lot of those experiences, but they're not really into crystals, which breaks my heart because I love my stones. <laughs> They have never. I have so many decks of cards. I have oracle cards and tarot. I have like, I don't know, probably fifteen different types of tarot decks. Never mind oracle cards. They've never asked for me to teach them how to how to use them. Um, last summer, I made them all sit down for an entire afternoon, and I attuned them to Reiki, and they rolled their eyes through it all. <laughs> so I don't know if that's just teenagers or if they just aren't really interested in this. So they have this ability, but at the moment they are not expressing an interest in it. How old are they? They are 14, 17, and 18.
0: And you were doing this when they were super young?
1: Yes, yeah. Really? They were into it then. They, were, I they Partially
0: makes people. me nervous with my kids. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like what, no, you, you better be into all this. <laughs>
1: I know. Isn't it weird? Like if I had a parent who was into this as a kid, yeah. I would have been over the moon. I couldn't get enough of, you know, bewitched and unsolved mysteries. And,
0: That's so funny.
1: but, um, but yeah, they're just, they think it's kind of strange and they actually, they will joke at the dinner table all the time. Like, why can't our parents have normal jobs? You know, like our dad arrests people or catches cheaters And our mom talks to dead people and teaches others how to do the same. (laughs) It just does not not work for them. Uh But I am hoping that as they get older, they will see what a wonderful gift this can be, you know, because that's another thing I'm passionate about is I don't think everyone should open up to their intuition so that they can, you know, as they say, hang up a shingle and, and do readings. I think we should all open up to our intuition so we can stay on our path and live our life to our fullest potential you know so for example my daughter was going out with some of her friends the other day to the uh, to meet them for a walk and she said okay if my friend is picking me up i don't need to bring my wallet and my license right and i was like no you should be fine and she's like i don't know i think i should bring my license and i'm like well you're not driving and you're just going for a walk run and she was like no I think I'm going to bring it. So she tucks it into her back pocket. They do their, their walk, run thing at the beach. And then her friend had this terrible headache out of nowhere, nothing COVID related, I swear, (laughs) but just wasn't feeling good. And my daughter had to drive home and thankfully she had her license. So she felt good about it. So just little things like that, I think make being intuitive so helpful.
0: And developing like a a self-trust.
1: Yeah, exactly. I've taught them, and they have listened, I've taught them to listen to their intuition about people. I taught them that from when they were very, very young. And they would say to me things like, mom, this girl is so nice, but something doesn't feel right about her. And I would say, well, then just kind of distance yourself. You know, If you're all in the same group, that's fine, but you don't have to text her or Snapchat her one-on-one, just keep your distance. And then a couple of months later, something will happen and they'll be proven right that you know their smile on the outside doesn't match their inside and i i think teaching kids that is really important and adults.
0: yeah definitely definitely kids i'm sure they all have to go through their you know rebellious stages at some point especially in regards to their parents so i'm sure that would be quite the gift uh having had you or chose you, however you see that as parents. And then, yeah, being able to apply that to whatever they do in life. And I'm even, you know, experiencing that now um, with, you know, starting recently a second business a few months ago, completely unrelated to, you know, it's a, a moving company, completely unrelated to, um, you know, the he- healing work and anything like that. But man, is it such a different experience and journey now going at it way that i'm going at it now with like yeah this just like fully you know guided from within and you know using all the lessons and just intuition and you know expansion and just you know self personal growth and soul growth through this vehicle which is this moving company um but uh, which i never wouldn't have ever been able to do if I just like started that years ago before like going into my my healing journey or, or doing the other work that I've done, uh, so it is really cool. So maybe yeah, whatever they end up doing in life, just going about it in a different way, and because it really doesn't matter what you do, it's how you do it. And uh, yeah.
1: I bet it helps you choose like the best employees, create a good team, foster that sense of togetherness. I mean, when we're tuned in, it, it it makes everything flow better and smoother.
0: For sure. For sure. Well, this was a lot of fun and I enjoy your answers and your stories and really appreciate you being here. Thank can you. you share again the, where best people can best find you and connect with you?
1: Sure. So my website is Samantha Fay. It's F-E-Y, samanthafay.com And my two podcasts are Psychic Teachers and Enlightened Empaths. And those can be found pretty much everywhere. iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, iHeart, Spotify. And we'd love to have listeners join us.
0: Perfect. You remind me of something that I thought of in the beginning when you said the Faye family. Obviously, the Faye as in fairy. Have you explored that connection at all?
1: <laughs> I've tried. It's so weird. People will email me all the time and they'll say, is that really your name? And I'm like, yes, it's really my name. Uh, it's it's my, um, you know, my married last name. So it, I wasn't born with that name. I like to I like to think it must have been meant to be in some way. I don't so the know. The way
0: I heard it, the Fay family, just like something about it just like stuck out. <laughs> was, yeah. I don't know if you had like a, a podcast talking about those different kinds of energies or something like that.
1: Yeah, I do find all of that fascinating. When my kids were little, we had a um a tree and we turned it into our fairy tree. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go to like a craft store and get fairy villages. And so my kids were, you know, three little girls, they were all into that. So we had this whole elaborate fairy village up for years and really cool, magical things would happen. I had plants grow there that I had not planted and we had crystals appear under that tree that I never bought, purchased or placed there. And so we had all sorts of cool things that happened around that tree. Now that they're teenagers, that fairy a village is still there, but we don't really tend it. Like right now it's covered in leaves and I haven't cleared the little path to the, the little fairy mailbox. And since we've stopped participating in the quote unquote magic of the fairy tree, crystals haven't appeared no new plants have arrived Uh, we used i used to find blue feathers bluebird feathers um, on the little path leading up to the fairy tree all the time none of that magical stuff has happened which leads me to believe that if you want to invite magic in your life you have to co-create with it
0: yeah for sure that's great we just went to this fairy village festival thing and uh with yeah my well, we have my kids and we'll look in his my son, my oldest son, who's almost three. And uh, he he saw everyone like wearing costumes when we got there. And he just started Then we can meet like, I want a costume. I like, like almost like panicking that he didn't have one. And then when it lays behind like the the desk where you check in, they had like extra like fairy wing things. So she gave him one and he just wore these fairy wings around. And he was so excited. And they had all the little like, yeah, fairy villages. And you got to like vote on which one is your favorite. And I think he was the most excited kid there. It was hilarious.
1: Oh my gosh. That's the best. You know, I tell my kids, you have your entire life to pay a mortgage and a car payment. This is the only time in your life that you can be free and independent and have fun. I mean, not really, but you know what I mean? So I always tell them, invite the magic in, embrace the joy, like have fun. So I love that you're encouraging your kids to do that too. How old are they?
0: Uh, so the oldest, Luke, he'll be three in December. And then the other one's a baby. He's like three months old oh
1: i'm so jealous yeah (laughs) i miss those ages you're gonna have the best holiday
0: (laughs) yeah it's fun now that lucan's older and just can do like more interactive things with them and even like yeah i think christmas will be more fun this year you can actually like participate in things together or you know watch some movies together whereas in the past you didn't really have any interest or care because he was too young
1: (laughs) that is so cool yeah but you have a beautiful family
0: yes yes sure do and so yeah again thank you for being here and we are all done thanks for taking time out of your busy day
1: Sure. thank you for having me